This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, farming, gardening, and food. My guest this afternoon on Digging in the Dirt is Mark Hobner. Mark is currently president of the North Fork Environmental Council. He also serves as co-chairperson of the Riverhead Town Environmental Advisory Committee, and he's on the steering committee of Drawdown East End. Mark has been environmentally conscious his whole life, and over the last 15 years has been immersed in implementing sets of solutions to our problems of planetary overheating. Mark has been here on WPKM before with Hazel Kahn and on Digging in the Dirt. I have come to know that Mark identifies real environmental problems in his community and focuses his time on specific solutions. With a few other thoughtful people, he has started a food waste to compost and a zero waste initiative for the eastern communities of Long Island, and that's why I've asked him here today. The food waste to compost pilot program has been deemed a success in 2022, and now there is a community effort to expand the project with the goal of turning 100% of the table scraps on the east end of Long Island into compost. Welcome, Mark. Hey, thanks very much, Kevin. I appreciate being on the show again. My pleasure. It's, I, this is a really noble effort to do this, and it's uh, something that I think everybody can approach. So tell us a little bit about what you set up last year and how it went. We started in Southold uh, in February, yeah, because we got shut down the day. We, we stopped collecting food scraps in Southold the day before the pandemic shut us down uh, in 2020. Uh, so we were kind of on hiatus, as it were. And we did a – actually, we did a reducing food scraps or food waste webinar going into, I guess, April that same year just to follow up, keep the momentum going. Riverhead, this year, we started in May or June, I guess, and we kicked it around with the engineering department and said, we've really got to get on this because the, the New York State DEC Climate Smart Community work is coming at us very fast. The 2030 deadline is only 84 months away, and months go very quickly in this in this time frame. So what what is it that they that they're worried about? Are, you, are the landfills closing down, or are they are they is getting too costly? Is there, I mean, there's lots of issues here. Yeah, there are a lot of issues, and I'm glad you know about them, Kevin. It's it's very helpful um, talking with people who know the basics. Our our two landfills are closing. The last ones on Long Island, Long Island being Nassau and Suffolk counties. There's there's three million people in those two counties, and we're closing the last landfills, which means we're going to be burning all of our household waste. Construction and demolition is gonna be trucked off the island to as far as 350 miles away in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Delaware. And all of our our stuff, our junk, our shoes, our everything goes into the incinerators. That itself is creating 370,000 tons of incinerator ash, which has to go somewhere. They're taking it at Brookhaven for another, I don't know, the end of next year, maybe in the middle of 2024. So we've only got 18 months left of that, which is only, you know, 60, 80, 100 weeks at the most, weeks, not months. And then it's going to have to be trucked or railed off the island to those same places in Ohio. <laughs> and I'm not sure how long they're going to be content with taking incinerator ash. It's very ugly and very dangerous. Wow. So I saw in your notes that 40% of the food is wasted and that's about a half a pound per person per day that there's this this is just across the united states right and actually across the world right that there's there's not there's no reclamation of the waste that comes out of restaurants and out of the households 
Well, I got to say that uh, South Korea has got 100% compliance in the residential sector. Really? So there, yeah, it is being done. Um, there's a lot of incentives. There's a lot of uh, reason for that. Uh, compliance is different in different countries and different cultures. Uh, I had uh, somebody made a funny remark that a third of the population here will do it because we, it's the right thing to do. And we asked them to. The second third of the population will do it because we told them to. And then the third third of the population will probably not do it because we did tell them. So, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> so we're we're dealing with, you know, the behavior changes and, and especially and, and reduction is so much more important than just capturing all the stuff and doing the right thing with it. We really mm -hmm. got to bring the bring the level down. So in the United States, we're about thirty percent wasted food, and and that's a lot. I mean, if if you think I saw an advertisement, there was a guy with three bags of groceries, plastic bags, of course, bags of groceries, and he was walking across the parking lot. So he just leaves one in the middle of the parking lot and keeps going, mm. and that's one third. You wouldn't, in your right mind, do that when it was fresh food, but we just don't manage it well. We buy too much. I know we buy too much. Costco, you know, all the, the warehouses and all that, it just lends to more waste because you're buying in bulk. You're right. So how much is this waste producing in greenhouse gases? If you bury it anaerobically with no oxygen, then it, it gives off twice that much in methane. And methane is between 86 and 25 times more potent a greenhouse gas. Uh, it's much more potent at the beginning of the cycle, and it trails off. But it also trails off a lot quicker. So it's not going to be in the atmosphere for two years or 20 years. It's only going to be in for you know a matter of months. So it's really a bad thing to just bury it. No, the the, the burying thing is horrible. The, the in burning it, burning it is still creating carbon dioxide. But burning it is wasting this resource. And I, we, we talked about this before, Kevin, the idea of that they're, they're not food waste. It's food scraps. They're vegetative organic resources. Right. And we got that term from the DEC. I didn't make that up. So when you start thinking of these things as resources and then combining them with browns, which is the yard trimmings, which are more resources that we're not using currently, then you combine them and make some serious compost out of this mix. So explain to everybody why it's important to mix the green and the browns. Uh, they make a higher level of compost. They, there are more nutrients. We capture the nutrients from the food and put them in with the browns. The browns are mulch, basically, mm -hmm. right? Le but leaves, you, stuff like that. Yeah, leaves and twigs and, you know, whatever, uh, pine needles and all that. Uh, but when you put food scraps with them, then they become a really, truly great compost. So if you if burying it is a problem, what is the difference between that and like say a compost pile which is sort of buried? Ah, uh, but it's not. It's aerobic because you're leaving space in between. Aerobic means it has air in it, and that gives off not even carbon dioxide. It doesn't give off methane. It just creates this wonderful mix of product and. They're working together. The, the microbes start building and the, the nematodes crawl in and the worms show up and there's all sorts of stuff in there. So uh, it's And it's like Paul Hawk and he says that it, composting is the way nature does it. You know, everything just sort of falls in the forest, dies, decomposes, all the decomposers go at it and, they, and that feeds the forest. And that's the link that was missing in the modern world, right? Yeah, the circular economy, uh, the circular thinking, systems thinking, uh, doing uh, biomimicry, there's a good one, uh, Janine Benyus's, uh work, uh, showing that we could work with nature as she does herself and do a lot better job of things. Yeah, and composting seems like anybody can do it. I mean, it's a bucket, right? You throw in everything and you just do it. 
Yeah, the, the simple composting, we, we've got an awful lot of people that want to do simple composting, which is what I do. I'm, la I'm a lazy composter. Mm -hmm. So you drop the food scraps in, you know, make them about one inch or two inches and spread them out over, you know, maybe a, a foot square because it doesn't take up a lot of space. And then take leaves and twigs and, and brush and whatever, just drop it on top. Every once in a while, throw some cardboard in there some paper, uh, newspapers, uh, you got to open them up. You can't leave the newspaper as a newspaper because it turns into a brick. So you just tear the pages, uh, you know, singly off and, and drop them in there. So the lasagna method, if you will, mm -hmm. you got grass clippings, which we don't, but grass clippings are always good in there. Just leave it, just walk away. And uh, cardboard without the tape, <laughs> that works too. Yeah, you know that I try taking the tape off when I spread the cardboard. That's a great weed preventer. Yeah. And if, if you're right, put some bricks on the corner, it'll kill off everything underneath except the soil itself, of course, it, but it kills all the vegetation and all the weeds and everything else. And it makes a great start for a field. We've got a meadow out here in the back and cardboard is the best, but sometimes you can't get the tape off. So you wait till spring and you pick the tape out of the grass. <laughs> there there you go. There you go. So you started this pilot project and I was impressed that it was only... 10 restaurants correct me if i'm wrong and 300 houses that was all it was oh, we're, we're dreaming of 300 houses oh, okay, from, from okay. your lips to god's ears kevin we started <laughs> started with 10 households and three restaurants okay there you go <laughs> there you go and it was 90 days and we were only picking up twice a week uh we found two farms that were willing to take the uh this food scraps and one was the um the roanoke lavender farm uh jimmy uh, maris up on the north road here and he's got a, a an entire like 300 feet of horse manure. He he gets horse manure brought in, so we were just putting it on the edge and just kind of like kicking some of the horse manure on top of it. We checked with Cornell Cooperative Extension on on the rightness of doing that, and they were okay with it. They said, yeah, that's what you would do. And then Cornell Farm up in the North Road here in Riverhead also took our scraps, and they were mixing them with the Browns and they were rototilling and doing all the right thing. So we've got uh, the, the farms really, um, we're trying to get them to step up and, and volunteer. Um, we've certainly got enough farms on the East End to do that, but um, we've still you got would, more work to do. You think they'd want it because it's a fertilizer and that's not cheap anymore. Yeah, uh, the, for, between the fertilizer being horribly expensive, there's a shortage of apparently uh, fertilizer. The factories are not making it as fast as they, they used to. I know some a lot of our farmers are getting... Um, Vermont compost or compost from Maine, stuff that's really been organically done, done the right way, but it's two ton bales. And I, I don't even know, I couldn't, I went on the, the internet last, uh, last night trying to find out the price for shipping for freight and right. full pallet loads or a full trailer load. I can't imagine how much it's going to cost. And the trucks pollute. So there's a, it's yeah. a, defeating the purpose in a lot of ways. Yep. yep. Vehicle miles traveled. VMT is another thing. So you have three restaurants and what did you say it was? Ten households. Ten households. Yep. And how much did you remove from the the system? From we, the... We, it, it was ninety days, and we pulled two a little over two tons of food scraps, which, if you bury it, is four tons of methane avoided. Wow! So just think about if you did it on a lot a scale, that would be amazing. So Suffolk and Nassau County, uh, if you take those two counties, at a half a pound per person per day, it's seven hundred and fifty tons a day it's a lot it is a lot can they handle that though no and you know we we keep getting into the discussion about the especially with the restaurants um and and we got into a discussion with uh, restaurant owners about this and i would never ask a restaurant on a busy saturday night 
for their 20 wait staff to be separating their melon rinds from the spoons. I, I just, I don't think I'd, I'd live long enough to ask that question. So we're going to be looking at back of house. The back of the house is 30% of their food scraps and the front of house where the, where the people are, you know, the patrons is 70%. So we would we would take the 30% from the back of the house, and which is what we've been doing. It's not hard because then you've only got to train three or four prep chefs and then one simple green bucket. They can put it in the cooler at night. It's it's screw top. It keeps uh, rodents and everything else out of it. So that really worked. But again, when you think about if you think about Riverhead having 36,000 people, it's nine tons a day. And the restaurants and all the rest of it are only another three or four tons. So we're not losing a lot. So what would happen next is the right the right thing for the front of house and the hospitals, the nursing homes, colleges, dining rooms, uh, all of that would go to an anaerobic digester. Anaerobic digester is the solution for the front of house and all the mess because they, they sort it out. Is there one in Long Island? No, there's one in Queens. Um, there's a couple that have been proposed. One started up uh, down in, in Yapank. They're talking about 600 tons a day. Uh, there's one that they're proposing up here in Calverton for 200 tons a day. We're using the Southington, Connecticut um, is the only one that we know of that's been functioning for easy five years, I think, at this point. So it seems like this is a daunting thing. I mean, how much does an anaerobic digester cost? Thinking 40 million. 40 million. Yeah, they're expensive. <laughs> but can can if you bought one, can we turn into San Francisco, which uh, you know turns all their waste into profit? Well, see the thing that's the that's the other thing too, Kevin. The, the idea of of waste to energy is what the incinerators are doing now, and that's that's fine in certain in certain instances. It's not good for us out here. It's a farming community. We have the we have the roads. We have the people. We've got the. The solution set for this to work out here. And I think uh, beefing up our soils makes sense to an awful lot of people. Even if you're not a farmer, you understand that our food comes from soil, which if it's good soil is going to produce better product. It's going to be better fruits and vegetables. Yeah, I've had guests here telling saying there's not that many harvests left in all the soil and the modern fertilizers and the modern techniques of stripping the soil and no cover crops and all that stuff has depleted the soil so badly that we really need this stuff. Yeah, I heard England's down to 26 years, or 26 seasons or something. Wow. Like that. And and they don't have a big composting program, probably. Uh, some of them do. Actually, if you look at like Totnes and a couple of the transition towns over there, they're very conscious. We're using a lot of those as models here now, but they've got to get we've got we we have to get our act together. We have to start doing this ourselves. We're talking to Mark Hobner. He's the president of the North Fork Environmental Council and a lot of other stuff. He's been involved with the Drawdown East End people uh, doing some really good stuff to for the planet and for all of us, you know, teach us and, and take us down the path to the right way. So it seems to me that the farmers would really be embracing this because they need this end product. All right. So the conversation with the farmers goes like this. They would rather pay for a finished product that was mm -hmm. a lot better than just what I'm doing in the backyard, which is covering everything with leaves. They would they would get a real product out of this if we created it. If you're bringing a lot, see that's the other thing too. We didn't realize how little space a ton takes up. It's only 1.4 cubic yards, so a yard and a half. I mean, I get that much mulch delivered. I get three yards of mulch delivered, so it's not a lot. So if you're talking about nine tons a day, it's only 13 cubic yards, but. Hmm. 
again, needing the right, having the right equipment, having the personnel, being able to put it in a place that's not going to be touched for another like two or three months. It's got to settle. It's got to, it's got to cook. It's got to, it's going to take time. So right. that's when we started talking to the uh, South Old Transfer Station uh, um, solid waste manager, uh, Jim Bunchick, three years ago. He helped us with that first pilot. And then we started talking to Drew Dillingham here in, in Riverhead, our town engineer, and said, you know what? We've got browns coming out our nose over here. We've got thousands of yards of browns. Why don't we start mixing this stuff up and make something like a peconic biomix, something mm -hmm. that people would really love to buy, and it wouldn't have to come from Vermont. Right. And the farmers want it that way because what do they do? They farm. They don't want to become a compost business. There you go. Right. So is that what's going on now on January 20th that you're having this meeting in Riverhead? I see that it's quite a few different towns and a lot of different people. Why don't you explain to us what you've got going there? Yeah. So the Climate Smart Community uh, from the DEC, this program, there's grants and there's points and there's all sorts of things in between. It has to do with energy. It has to do with water conservation. It also has to do with not just compost, but uh, construction, demolition materials, materials management. And one of the things we're latching onto is the fact that we can get together with the other green teams, which is what these kind of are called, the external green teams or volunteer groups that are environmentally conscious, that work with engineering, that work with budget, that work with the town to get these programs going. And being involved with all the green teams all these years, we kind of figured that we should be working with each of the towns. So Southampton, East Hampton, Shelter Island, Riverhead, South Old, the five towns of the East End, the Beconic bioregion, are getting together. We're getting together on January 20th. We're going to be on Shelter Island at the library, and we're going to have probably the better part of 30 or 40 people there. So the engineers, the grant writers, the people who are managing the yard scraps they can't get rid of. I think they've got some 3,000 yards or more in Shelter Island. They can't do anything with it. They've got Sylvester Manor up there, which has got a compost program, but is it big? Have they got enough people? Are they turning it off and off? I mean, there's so much to consider that that's why we're putting our heads together on the 20th. I get it. So this, you, I see that it's time to start thinking outside the box, but removing the box entirely. Yeah, get rid of the box. <laughs> so, you know, so the other thing, too, is we talked about the anaerobic digester and could you buy one? Yeah, you could buy one, run it, run it as a municipality. But apparently from what I'm hearing and reading is it's very expensive. The engineer is going to be $200,000. And if he's sick for a week, everything stops. I mean, it's just too much dependent right. on, on owning it as a municipality. The pub public partnership, private partnership is a good solution for that because a team comes in and runs it and the government, the municipality shares the responsibility of it and the profit if, if there's energy coming off the back, which there is. And then the, the last one is private equity only. So we're trying to figure out how the composting world will work in those three instances as well. Because I know we know people that are doing composting for money as a profit center, and it's difficult. It's a lot of manual labor. There's a lot of expensive equipment. Uh, the compost itself is very expensive when you finally wind up with it as a product. So public-private partnership may be the answer to that, or it might be completely municipal because if if the Northeast Organic Farming Association people told us, uh, we did a presentation with them, and they told us that they're getting their best brown only, which is leaf litter and, and waste, uh, yard trimmings, from Southold, from the transfer station. Hmm. So if you want something really, really great, let's make it here. Let's work on that. And, and it's not that hard 
Uh, we've got limits from the DEC, of course, because of water quality. Uh, they're going to be running test wells and you know rubber liners, and there's all sorts of discussions that have to be had. So, if if you digester is out of the question because it's forty million dollars, what's wrong with a big yard that you make big old compost piles and rows, and they're and you're constantly you know cooking up the 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 proper compost in that regard? I mean, isn't isn't that another solution that could be done with backhoes and mm -hmm. and people doing the big mounds? Isn't that the way they do it in Vermont? You know, the Vermont compost. Well, there's windrow turners. There's these machines that straddle the uh, the pile, and they mix them as they drive along. They're very slow. I mean, they go like uh, you know a mile an hour or something, and they mix it themselves. The better solution is the static pile, the aerated static pile. And you take a six inch PVC with a bunch of holes in it and blow warm air through it, and then you measure the temperature. You've got to stay on top of the temperature. It's got to be between one twenty and one fifty. You don't want it too low because it doesn't kill off the E. coli, but not too hot to kill off the microbes that you're trying to develop with this stuff. So there's a lot of science and a lot of care that goes into that. So hmm. once again, I'm talking to Mark Hobner. He's president of the North Fork Environmental Council, working on these composting ideas, which I think are just terrific and encourage everybody to start throwing their stuff into a bucket and either doing it yourself or taking it somewhere. Tell me about East Hampton. They look really interesting. Some of the material you sent to me, I like the idea that they're flipping farm to table to table to farm. What's Actually, going on over there? We're talking about that. Kate Rogers is one of their town council people, and she's all over this thing. We're going to have to regulate this eventually, Kevin. We've talked to towns across the country, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are voluntary, and some of them have been doing this for 15 or 20 years, and they've only got a 20% compliance. So we need a lot better than that. And the, you're not, if you can't get it through volunteerism, through I'm scraping my plate because it's the right thing to do, then we've got to regulate it from the other side. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start seeing the 50%, the 70% compliance. And that's what we need right away. We need that by 2030. That requires like whoever's picking up the waste, you got to have bins that are one's orange, one's green, one's whatever color they choose to, yep. to delineate what, how you separate. Yeah, and education is so huge. We've got we've started working with the Long Island Organics Council. Beth Vitani, I've known for quite a while. She's been a supporter of the North Fork Environmental Council for quite a while. And she has a grant in hand that we're working with the Riverhead Town right now. And it'll involve education and going out to the public and make sure that the green bin, the rolling bin that we're filling has the right stuff in it. So public education, public education, public education over and over and over. Uh, we're going to have a central repository so we can move that around again. Uh, it could be up near the landfill. It could be right in front of town hall. They seal, they close. There's no smell. There's green bags. And I'm so glad you talked about the green bags with one of your guests because it's it, this is what the farmers don't want is the green bags and plastic forks and so on. They're afraid of contamination. Right. That's a big problem for a compost operation. Absolutely. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you want to do the green bags for because you don't want you know they want you want them to break down in the future, but they really don't help out in the composting area right now. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not, they don't de decompose quickly. Yeah. And and I'll tell you something from my research and dealing with uh, our client here, Nova Mods, they they tell me that most of it's all BS. They're they're making it up that it's that that com compostable. It's just not true. Yeah, I've got biodegradable bags that I've been using for years. They they were on sale for like fifty cents for a box of like a hundred. 
Now I know why, because I was fishing them. I was fishing them out of the compost. As soon as I used the compost, I was fishing the green bank. Sure. We all had that experience. Right. It's, it was a year. I figured it, come on guys. You know, you had time. I know. I I bought little seed bags, seed starting bags that were compostable, right? Right. They're still out there. I keep finding them in the garden, right? You know, where I started a plant in them thinking I'm doing the right thing. And it was just not true at all. So uh, I read something. He said you called the, the people that you've been working with solutionaires. Tell me about that. What is a solutionaire? Oh, all right. So, so the solutionaries is is you know it's like revolutionary or uh, okay. You know that kind of thing. Um, bringing bringing solutions to the to the table as a group, and we're we're finding more and more too, Kevin. That the more the diff- the more different people you bring into a room. If you bring in social, economic, environmental, governance, law, technology, if you get six people in a room like that, they're all going to have a different perspective. And you're going to come up with a very different answer, a very different solution set than you would have if it's just the environmentalists or if it's just the business people or whatever. So that that's really what we're aiming for is to, to round these discussions out into a, a much larger picture. Mm-hmm. So is this meeting on the January 20th, can other people come or is this all set up with just your experts and people in the environmental groups? Um, it's environmental. There's going to be, um, like I said, the engineers have to be there. The solid waste management people, the transfer station people have to be there. These guys have been doing this for 20, 30 years. Sure. You know, and, and I'm going to bring this up. Uh, <laughs> you're going to hate me, but pay as you throw is the thing that makes the re- it makes you reduce your waste the fastest way to get it done. So right. in, in Southold, they got yellow bags. Half the town has yellow bags and they drive them to the transfer station. The other half calls the carter and says, I need a contract, come pick up my stuff. I get but it. What, what, what I was told was that as soon as you go to pay as you throw, people stop wasting, whether it's food or sneakers or electronics or whatever have you. Well, I like what you're doing and I want you to keep it up, man. We really need to do this. We need to speed and scale here on this. That's my favorite saying right now because we have problems that are coming really fast down the track and doing with some of the stuff you're doing. I mean, everyone can do composting. You just separate your waste and either have someone pick it up or drop it off and where and and then you get it composted and composting represents an opportunity for nearly everyone to connect to climate solutions. I think what you're doing is terrific. Yeah, it's very simple. And like I said, 750 tons a day residential for these two, the two counties, 750 tons a day, minus the methane, minus the CO2 right off the bat every single day. Right. That's doing something. Yeah, it makes a difference. Yep. Thank you so much, Mark Harbner, for showing up and and talking with me. I really appreciate it. Keep it up. Love talking with you, Kevin. Thank you so much for the time. Yep. No problem. Take care. All right. Bye. You've been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher. Thank you.